0: Now Hear This Entertainment featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you're welcome to DM me through the Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you, and you should look forward to hearing about the giveaway that I'm going to tell you about on this episode. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Long Island, New York, my guest began classical violin training at the age of just two years old, and by age 13 had already performed with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. His expertise in improv across multiple genres has led him to a career as a soloist in demand, performing at venues from Madison Square Garden to Carnegie Hall to the Lincoln Center, the Jacob Javits Center, and across four continents. He has been featured on PBS and has been booked to perform at special events for Google, Nickelodeon, National Geographic, and Citigroup, among others. He has an amazing story of overcoming having lost the strength to play his violin for a number of years, now performing as a DJ violinist. He has a combined total of more than 4.5 million video views on his official YouTube channel, and he has released five singles this year alone. You've been hearing a song of his that has approximately 400,000 streams on Spotify called Neon Dreams. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Asher Laub. Hey
1: Bruce, thanks for... Letting me on the show. Pleasure to be here. Yeah,
0: thank you for making time to talk to me today. And wow, congratulations, approximately 400,000 streams on Spotify alone of that song that was just playing. Go ahead and tell the audience all about Neon Dreams.
1: Well, Neon Dreams is really uh, kind of when everything started. Um, It is literally within the name dream. It is literally my dream um, starting a, a music career that is uniquely mine. Um, beyond just being a studio musician, but actually expressing myself artistically in the way that is uniquely me. Um, And uh, kind of the backstory there is, uh, you know, uh, having lost the ability to actually play the instrument and then regaining it gave me a a newfound appreciation for the sheer joy that I get um, out of being a professional musician. And uh, Neon Dreams is what inspired me to It is basically that inspiration.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're giving us access to your personal emotions of your expression of rejoicing about what you've been given.
1: Exactly. You hit the nail.
0: How easy is it, though, or how difficult is it to turn those emotions into, okay, how can I convey to people musically what I'm feeling right now without lyrics?
1: Well, um I guess a little easier for me than, than, than others in the sense that I, I kind of do this, you know, full-time. I've been doing this, as you mentioned, since the age of, of two. So expressing my, myself through improvisation and through, you know, compositions is, is something that I've been doing for many years. Uh, but uh, I don't even, you know, Neon Dream is not even the complete picture. Uh, I've Many other songs that sort of express a similar um, elated, just sort of excitement, joy, Uh, for just newfound strength.
0: I like it. I like it. That song, Neon Dreams, is actually from four years ago. So to move up to present day, share with us the story behind your latest single, the Lord of the Rings medley, Rings of Power.
1: Sure. Um, Well, that um, is a cover of uh, McCreary's uh, Lord of the Rings from the Amazon series, that epic Amazon series that's, uh, Got a whole lot of people talking. There's, uh, they put something like a half a billion dollars into that production, and Mm. really, I've always, I grew up with Lord of the Rings. My, my father used to read me the books, and uh, I always had a passion for watched, watched all the movies, and then I just sort of, kind of missed it, you know, just the world of fantasy. There's nothing quite, quite like it. Harry Potter is like a close second, in my opinion, but uh, big, big fan of that. Um, but, but Lord of the Rings, you know, when I I was thrilled when Amazon came out with the series because just the sheer beauty of the music and just what it sort of just the images associated with the music i just i, I couldn't help myself but but uh remake the that music from you know from the vantage point of my own unique skills uh for, you know focusing more on the on the violin and uh i took three of my favorite uh melodies from that huge score and put it into this 3 minute uh medley which you can check out on on the on my uh, website after
0: as much as i did hear about how interested you always were in lord of the rings i'm also interested in if you did it solely for that reason or if there was a business strategy as follows there was someone on the show one time who said what i try to do bruce is as soon as a song comes out that i feel is going to really break i try to hurry up and do a cover video for it on youtube so that when people are searching for it they stand a really good chance of finding mine if i'm one of the first people out there so i wonder asher was it only what you described before or was it this is such a popular amazon series that i want to seize on its popularity and maybe more people will find asher laub if i do this medley
2: yeah that's
1: a really uh that's a really good question bruce um so it's a little bit of both uh so it happened that you know there's there are lots of trending popular songs at any given moment, there's always something trending. There's always like a big company pushing some song, major label, whatever. There's many different options, uh, so you got to factor that in. Yes, from a business strategy standpoint, that that you always have to think that way if if you're running a business and if you you have to earn an income. Uh, but you also, uh, but it's got to be something you're passionate about. Mm. And and for me, you know, I, I produce a 26 piece score, which is pretty much similar to the actual original series and my unique kind of blueprint, whatever. Um, and I, and I did that cause I, I had the energy and the passion and, and the love for the Nori Brandyfoot foot medley uh, and uh, melody and Galadriel. Like I, I just, I, I love, I love the tune. Uh, I, I, I just, I can run it through my head and it doesn't bother me. It doesn't annoy me. It's like a, it's like an earworm that I actually appreciate. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to remake it. You know, I just, I couldn't hear enough of it. So yeah, so the business aspect, yes, and then the fact that I was watching the series with my wife pretty much every night. I, I I put my career pretty much on hold to just you know to spend a little time with with my family for a change because I just work myself into the ground. Uh, I, I'm a workaholic. <laughs>
0: The part of that that I am still hanging on to is is backing up to you having said 26 piece. And to me, that sounds overwhelming. Is it a pretty big deal that I think it is? Or is it, Bruce, I already told you I've been doing this for a while and this is what I do for a living. So no, 26 piece is not really that big a deal to me.
1: No, 26 piece is, is, I think, a big deal for everybody, for anybody. Um, it's, It's a lot of work. And and it's a lot of you know it, you got to really love what you're doing in order to have the 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 focus and the you know the sort of like the long term vision of just to work on every 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 instrument to, mm. to make it sound optimal and mix it properly so on and so forth.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, folks, this is important. I said it last week, but in case you did not hear that episode, I absolutely need to repeat it because this is the giveaway I was referring to in the intro. And as of the day that this interview with Asher is getting released, there is only one week left to enter. And I want you to pay attention, even if you initially think, eh, I don't have any use for something like that, because I'm going to tell even those folks why you should enter anyway. Focusrite is inviting you to enter their holiday contest with the winner choosing their own Vocaster as the prize, meaning you get to choose the Vocaster 1 or you get to choose the one that I have, which is the Vocaster 2. The Vocaster, by the way, is an audio interface for content creators. It was just launched in June. Enter now because this only runs through and including December seven with the winner being notified on the 8th. You've heard me talk on past episodes about this new unit of theirs. Remember, the Vocaster can be used not only by podcasters, but by those of you who are doing live streaming, say maybe on Twitch, and it can be used for people who do voiceover work. Anyhow, to enter, go to focusrite.com slash nhte and do so now before the entry period closes. Again, this is customized for my show, Now here, This Entertainment focusrite.com slash nhte and if you don't think you need something like this enter anyway and pay it forward by giving the vocaster as a holiday gift to the creator you know that will benefit from all its great features and the professional audio quality that it helps you deliver one more time on that address where you can enter to win it's focusrite.com slash nhte Asher, you were telling us about your latest single, Present Day, but let's go back to the beginning because I'm really having a difficult time wrapping my head around. you having started into music at the age of just two years old.
1: Yeah, um, you know, decades later, I, I still try to wrap my head around that, too. <laughs> I was just talking to my mother the other day, actually, about, um, she, you know, she, she asked me, you know, how, how, how did you feel? You know, what were your, do you, do you remember starting at the age of two so on and so forth? Because you chose it, you know, you looked at your older, older brother, you know, maybe uh, about six years older than me. Uh, and you said, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to play just like him. So mm. I gave you a violin and we said you were too small for an actual Suzuki, uh, you know, wood piece of violin. So we gave you a, um, a margarine box with uh, basically I had rubber bands around them. And I do remember that uh, serving the strings. So um that that's where it all started and then they started out, started me out on the Suzuki method uh pretty intense and I started doing performances with large groups of you know Suzuki students um and uh yeah I, I'm pretty fortunate to have that at those uh just to have those skills at a young age cuz it's made life life a whole lot easier for me as a professional musician.
0: So when you said that you had an older brother that you were seeing play he was playing violin also or he was playing another instrument
1: Mm. sorry uh, he plays violin
0: okay okay and really a nice coincidence that just three weeks ago on the show Caitlin Evanson talked about being the fiddle player for Taylor Swift and she referred to the Suzuki method and kind of said for those of you out there that know what that is and so here's Asher repeating that again so for those of you that heard the interview with Caitlin Evanson and didn't look it up and you still don't know what it is consider this year' call to action from Asher to go and find out what the Suzuki method is. Everything that we've talked about so far has been happy and yay, this is all good stuff, but now is when we throw the audience a curveball. Asher, educate us. Fill us in on the challenges of making music a career with a history of adrenal insufficiency.
1: Well, I don't really recommend it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm going to say don't try this at home um, it, it was uh you know a lot of things in life are pretty unpredictable and actually have produced music specifically reflecting that that feeling the highs and lows and the unpredictability of life and just sort of riding the waves but um i'm trying to think where to start here because it's a bit of a long story and i guess in theory you could say that the whole the whole process uh began gradually at uh by high school um when i began to sort of um have have difficulty lifting the instrument, but then you know, it's mm. lifting weights. I, I was able to be productive when I went to move to New York by college. Uh, by my, you know, my freshman year, I, I was playing professionally, and mm. it was it wasn't until maybe, well, I'm going to say about seven years later that that uh, you know, I was diagnosed with an inflammatory condition, which progressed uh, maybe another another five years to me being in a wheelchair, which was a state of adrenal insufficiency, wow. scariest period of my life. And, uh, overwhelming to say the least, especially because there was no guidance or like real guidance. I mean, like, you know, there's always meds, drugs, blah, 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 but there wasn't like, okay, this feeling, okay, we can get you out of the dark here. Uh, it was essentially the way I see it in retrospect, me getting me out of the dark with a whole lot of research, a whole lot of dedication and, and never giving up. And there, and no, I was not practicing music while I was in that state. Mm. I didn't have the strength. So um, I lost my career and then I regained it once I regained my strength, um, pretty miraculously. And I, um, but I was inspired to that, that pretty much launched a, a career of, I'm going to say inspiration that didn't exist prior. So yeah, the challenges are, are pretty, pretty extreme. And, uh, I, I, you know, I obviously had family members help me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really making, I wasn't exactly producing music, uh, while I was, I was in that state, but, uh, you know, again, once I regained my strength and I was actually performing live, that's when I started producing again. Uh, but it is an ongoing process. It's not something that I've, I've completely eliminated or fixed. It, It is an ongoing, you know, thing that I have to address daily. Uh, I never forget about it. And, uh, just sort of always in the back of my mind and I, I'm always careful about, you know, what I do, what I eat, um, you know, toxic exposure, that type of stuff.
0: So does that mean that it's quote unquote under control, but it's not gone in, in other words, if you were to just abandon the things you were just starting to mention, does it mean that it could rear its ugly head dramatically to the point where you could revert back to not being able to lift the violin?
1: Yeah, in, in, in theory, it could. And uh, I, I don't plan on letting it anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I literally went to nursing school be, because of my health problems. Mm. Um, and I've been vigilant, to say the least, about maintaining my health so that, you know, I'm doing about 200 plus events a year. Um, wow. I'm always there, you know, I don't get sick. I, I don't have health issues that anybody really notices.
0: Mm. So. That's terrific. And and it almost makes me think that you probably can take two things from that, probably more. But the two that jump out at me is clearly inspiration for songs, but also you being able to talk to people. I'm almost positioning you as a public speaker, as an inspirational speaker who goes out and says, look, if there's a career that you really want to pursue and you have some sort of Health condition. Now, granted, this isn't going to be a blanket statement because there's going to be some where it's just physically impossible. But you showed, Asher, and I'm taking my hat off to you, you showed that you wanted music so bad that you were going to say, okay, there's not enough information, but I'm going to find the information and I'm going to beat this thing so I can go back to doing music like I want to be doing instead of something that I'm doing because I'm suffering from this adrenal insufficiency. No, I want to find a way to conquer it and I want to go out and I want to make a career in music.
1: Exactly, Bruce. I feel like you know me, you know, <laughs> Not everybody knows me, but you, you got a good read. And uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. I don't even want to change what you said.
0: Well, again, my hat's off to you because I know that it does get very easy in those times to give up and to let the disease win, to let the medical condition win. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people are going to a job that they don't want to do because they need the paycheck and they're miserable. So it's it's wonderful to hear this comeback story, and and my gosh, two hundred <laughs> events a year—that's amazing. So, hearing now about what you've dealt with, let's shift a little then to—and I started to tease this a little bit—but what the inspiration is behind your music.
1: So uh, yeah, and and you did start to tease it, and, and generally the inspiration is uh, kind of a love and a joy, uh, a joy and a love for life, uh, and it's more than just my health issues. It's really that just sort of what instigated this need to like, I guess this desire to want more uh, and, and really uh, ultimately the message behind my music is this drive to bring people together. There, uh, It's just the, the institutions, the political powers, the, 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 the money, all these organizations, they really, they, do, they do a great job of dividing people. And, and I think that um, my mission is to really ultimately work to combat that and to to show the world uh, what we all have in common uh, universally and just as humans, um, uh, regardless of our, you know, our cultural, ethnic background, uh, religious beliefs, political perspectives. Uh, music is the ultimate, you know, communicator um, outside of, you know, language barriers. And it's the, it's, it is the language that everybody speaks. So um, that's my inspiration. People, the fans, the listeners, that is what, uh, that's what drives me and that's what drives the music.
0: But I wonder the violin is such a wonderful instrument as it relates to being so, so impactful in terms of really being able to set a mood and not to take anything away from other instruments. But for instance, if you're watching a TV show or you're watching a movie and a violin starts in, it can really just set the tone for the whole scene. So how do you draw inspiration Asher for when you say all these happy, upbeat, fun songs are great, but I do have to do a ballad once in a while and I do have to do something heavy that we can all hear the violin right now as I'm saying this. So how do you draw inspiration for something where you say, this is going to be a sad song that I'm going to create or this is going to be something that's very heavy and I'm going to compose this from the standpoint of, yeah, it's going to be very emotional in a tearful kind of way. Where do you draw that inspiration from?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to my fans again because they actually love that that kind of stuff. That's actually easy for me as a violinist, but I'm kind of driven to to show the range of the instrument because it is it it's not it's not something that was invented like, you know, a couple decades ago and that is con- constantly just owned by one company and has a patent on it. It's something that's been around for generations in many many different cultures and and I love just sort of displaying its range and its beauty and Bringing the old in with the with, with the new in a new context and a new kind of cover song or a new popular type of more accessible melody uh, the average person can enjoy. I like that. So that's sort of what uh, inspires me to 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 kind of play that music and to to produce that you know music in a, in a sadder tone or uh, you know just different types of genres. I, I I'm not sure if that's that's kind of uh, what you're getting at.
0: Yeah, 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 I see that. I see that. Before I go into the break and tell people all the places they can find you online, let's reach a crescendo here, at least for now. And since I read off so many cool venues and clients in the intro, have you share with us about your most memorable performances?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, there have been a whole lot of of really memorable performances. I'm going to say generally that the big concerts are the most memorable and um, the, the PBS special, I... I did um, twice, spanning. I'm saying I'm gonna say that was about a seven-year gap in between each one, but uh, that was incredibly memorable. Um, just you know, playing playing some of the most iconic venues in the country: um, Madison Square Garden, Lincoln Center, Carnegie Hall. Hard to believe, and but yeah, been to all of them and had the honor of just. Kind of gracing those stages and playing, playing my my own music, and uh, Neon Dreams was first performed in Carnegie Hall. Actually, mm. uh, second performed. I, I'm trying to remember first or second. I don't even remember the chronology, but but that was that was definitely a, a memorable experience. And just just the the audience, the the intensity of the audiences, just appreciation and love for uniquely what I was presenting to them, um, the message behind the music. I just there, there's nothing more enjoyable more memorable than the, the way that then playing music and, and just seeing how it connects with with the listeners because um, it, it's like a whole other thing to, to play like a private event and and not and, and and have it be like this you know big hoopla lots of money spent and so on and so forth but it's not really about you know you know the music itself um so yeah playing at those iconic venues that that was that was incredible And uh, I'm going to say, actually, right up there, not at an iconic venue, was playing for King Mohammed VI, I believe. Mm. I should remember because it was just a few few months ago uh, in Manhattan uh, on Wall Street. And that was kind of an unexpected performance, but that was quite memorable because I've never played for a king before, king of Morocco. And he was just in for like a week. So I had the honor of performing for him.
0: But what were the circumstances there that you say was unexpected? It sounds like it was something of a last-minute call, perhaps.
1: Well, I was playing uh, at a like it's an upscale, it was like an upscale private venue, you know, restaurant type place, and there were two adjacent parties, private parties, and it's funny because uh, the the king had uh, he saw me playing right next to him in my party, and he and he asked. The, you know, he basically asked for me if i would be willing to play for his group and i, <laughs> and I asked uh, cloud i'm like yeah. <laughs> yeah so so my party came over to his party to watch me perform for him and it was just the coolest experience ever and wow. i'm gonna say that i'm gonna put that up to the level of uh, my experience at you know, Carnegie Hall, of Madison Square Garden, and PBS.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Wow, wow, that's cool, that's cool. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Long Island, New York, by musician Asher Laub. Visit his official website at asherlaub.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, Nhte.net. Once you land on his website, you will see logos there to click over to Asher's accounts on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Look for the link there as well to go follow Asher on Spotify. But remember, the best way to support him is to use the link on his website to go purchase downloads of his original music from iTunes. And of course, keep up with him online to find out where you can go see him perform live or get in touch if you're interested in hiring him for your event. Now that the holiday shopping season is underway, some folks might look for deals on headphones for themselves <laughs> gamers, right? Podcasters, musicians, even audio engineers because the ones they have are old or uncomfortable or the ear pads are falling apart. Well, guess what? You don't need to buy new headphones altogether. You can just replace the ear pads, and all of a sudden, you feel like you have a brand new pair of headphones. That's how I felt ever since I replaced the ear pads on my headphones this summer. Thanks to the replacement ear pads available through Daconi Audio, I put an unboxing video on my WatchNHT YouTube channel. There's no E at the end of that. WatchNHT. So you can see how mine had deteriorated. Yuck. And then I show you how easy it was to take off the old ear pads and put on what Daconi sent me. And wow, so much more comfortable. Mm. Anyhow, Go watch that video and use the link in the description or just tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo on my podcast website, nhte.net. Their logo is in the right-hand column on desktop if you're looking at the podcast website that way. Or if you're on mobile, scroll all the way down to see it below the social media logos. Asher, walk us through this. As I understand it, you got three degrees in the sciences and then shifted back to a full-time music career
1: yeah pretty odd right <laughs> well so i grew up sort of with that you know the, the have getting getting a phd i i i grew up intending to kind of pursue that so that was sort of a, a, always in my mind uh, mm. as a child my father's phd um Lots of PhDs and MDs, and education in my family, and and education is obviously a major focus uh, for my family and cousins, and so on and so forth. And music was never ultimately the intention uh, for me. Uh, My parents they prepped me for a professional career, but they didn't didn't expect me to become a professional musician. So Ah. that's that's sort of like the backdrop there. Um, So I yeah I went to university and I I, YU NYU two degrees at NYU. Uh, master's uh, in science education, bachelor's of bio, um, nursing degree, and I, I, I did. You know, I taught for four years in the DOE, and I, I I enjoyed it. It was meaningful, but all the while I it wasn't too difficult difficult to pivot to a full time music career uh, because I was always earning money while I was in school. So I was all in music. I, I was always performing music. Uh, doing, doing, doing private events, even doing concerts, uh, less of it. So all I had to do was just sort of ramp that up. Uh, once I, once I made the shift and ultimately I made that decision because really with the blessing of my wife, I wouldn't have done it otherwise.
0: Well, and speaking of which there's a buzzword, or I guess it would be a, a buzz phrase that I'm really interested to get your perspective on, which is work life balance as a musical performer slash producer with a family
1: yeah um that's pretty important guys uh you know with the the what's the word what they call the great uh resignation there's a reason why there is a great uh, resignation you know people on mass are are they're, they're exhausted they're tired they they, they want to have a life they want to have kids that's uh, that's something that i i my wife and i we, we realized we need to prioritize and and she really kind of helped me focus On on balancing my career life uh, expectations. And it's been a challenge. It's even a challenge today, but uh, it's become more or less a routine for me at this point. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, you know, focusing on on my two beautiful kids and realizing that's really my life's work. I, you know, my my career's work, which I, I love, I have a true passion for my music. That's something I could just, I'm a workaholic naturally and I'm not naturally able to come, you know, to, to stop work, uh, you know, at, at, at six o'clock, I often, you know, I would, if it we're just up to me, I'd come to bed at 1am. Uh, and cause I'm, I just, I, I want to finish the, the 26 piece composition the symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want to do. But uh, work life balance is just critical. Um, I think the general, uh, 360 view, of, uh, just appreciating life and, and uh, enjoying life to its fullest.
0: Well, and for those of you in the audience who are aspiring performers and are getting starry eyed and you hear Asher earlier talking about 200 dates a year and you're thinking, I want to do 250 or I want to do 300. Listen to what he's saying. A lot of times what factors into the work life balance conversation is the being away from home part. So Asher, can you talk about life as a performer on the road?
1: It's grueling. uh, If you speak with anybody, it's it's it can be really exhausting and if you have a family it's even more difficult and i know so many uh you know international recording artists that have managed brilliantly to 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 do that work-life balance the ones that i happen to know and then i know a number of them who have uh, i don't want to use the word fail because everybody makes their decisions but so the, what their priorities are, but, but they you know, many people have lost their families. Their families have sort of ha- things haven't worked out uh, in the personal sense uh, because they prioritize their, their career. And it's just sort of a choice you got to make. But the choice that I've made is, is the work like life balance with the ultimate. Well, I, I digress a little bit from your question. Cause you want to, you asked me about, you know, the, the difficulty of, of touring um, traveling is tough and I'll pick and choose uh, my, my opportunities, uh, very carefully. And I've got, I got plenty of, of options to go to, you know, across the country to LA. I, you know, went to Maui, uh, this, this past summer, uh, for, for a week. And, you know, those, those opportunities are awesome, but I don't, I don't choose all of them. And, and I wouldn't recommend to anybody that just every time you get a call to, to go out of town, if you are a performer to just take it just because it pays a little bit of money. That's just my personal
2: opinion.
0: Yeah, and one of the first things you said when you started your answer was it's exhausting. And the important part is when you do have a major client that's paying you good money to be there and perform at their event, all they want to know is that you're happy and you're raring to go and that you have all kinds of energy and it's as though you just walked from your bedroom into your living room, not that you flew across the country. So that's hugely important. And I think it is important that you said it's exhausting because the client doesn't want that to be a factor whatsoever. And obviously you don't as the performer.
1: That's right. And, uh, you know, everybody's looking at you taking out their phones in many cases, and, and it's not easy to, to just kind of pretend you got to actually feel, feel good, um, on stage. And, uh, you know, when you go out of town, you want to feel good about like the contract and, and the arrangements And so so you got to take the gigs that, that are good for you.
0: And audience, I hope you're getting the full picture here of exactly how much it is that this week's guest is doing. Just to kind of underscore all that, Asher, tell us more about the many hats you wear as an entrepreneur, independent artist who has been booked to perform with signed and major label artists and large companies.
1: Sure. So... I'm an artist who who is si- personally signed to a label. Um, I have been offered a number of opportunities to work with uh, different types of management, and I haven't found like a deal that 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 works for me at this point. Um, that could change, but because I have made that decision to be to remain independent, a lot of people are like me. There's a bit more work for me to do, and I have to be, you know, organized and just smart about the, the contracts that I deal with and, and the, um, the booking agents that I deal with and associate with and the clients who I'm to allow to pretty much work with me. And, um, so I'm pretty much wearing the management hat and the music production hat and the collaboration hat. And I'm guiding, and I have, I, I do have employees. I have people that, that assist me with different things. Uh, but I'm pretty much the CEO of my, of my business and uh those of you who are independent artists out there kind of or aspiring that's what you got to do it is a very much a full-time job uh much in the way that you know being a nurse uh, for me or or, uh, an educator teacher um you know somebody in research is it's no different than that you know the way an accountant or a physician it is this it's it's the same. like you're using just as many brain cells the challenge in many ways is even greater it's it's uh, the hours never end. There's always something new to do. Um, and, and, but if you love it, you know, you'd never work a day in your life as they say.
0: Well, and it's fascinating because I said recently to someone that if you think about a performance that maybe you're on stage for an hour, that's what you do for a living. That's the part that people see, but that's one hour of one day. And it's all this other stuff, Asher, that you're talking about that people see the glamorous side. Look at that guy up on stage. He's really entertaining. He's really talented. This is terrific. What a fun night. But it's all this other behind-the-scenes things that need to get done that nobody wants to talk about that are hugely important for you to be on that stage.
1: Not only hugely important, uh, but literally prerequisites to being on those stages. You know? Um, But you said it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and... You're alongside, as I said, performing with signed and major label artists who might have this massive team around them that, yes, you said you've got people that you're employing, but these are people that are expecting you to be at their level. And so you have to have all your ducks in a row and then some so that they feel that you are very much their equal on and off the stage.
1: Yeah. And you want to gain the trust of, and it's not just major labels. It's also just, just established artists that are independent or that have management groups, that type of stuff. I mean, there's a whole range of, uh, you know, the, among the 200 events on average that I'm doing, sometimes, you know, some years are more. I'm dealing with a whole a huge variety of different types of, of performers and clients and just different, different types of situations. So you have to show that you're, you know, you're organized and you're, you're, you're dedicated to, to, to the music and to to getting people really engaged in in the music. And yeah, it's uh it's a challenge and again you gotta wear a lot of different hats.
0: We heard in the intro about your having performed for some major corporations. Google, Nickelodeon, National Geographic, Citigroup, the list goes on. MTV, Mountain Dew. Asher, I would love to hear about negotiating contracts with and providing entertainment for companies like those.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, you get a good lawyer and, and uh, have them draft a, a solid contract that kind of universally works for for uh, any corporate contract. Uh, but you def- definitely definitely want to specify, um, you know who who's in the contract, uh, what the parameters of the contract are, who's who's paying you when, you know, the deposits to to actually lock you in. Uh, I I have had to, I've had had to deal with as an independent artist. You know, I'm not going to say shady characters, but people who just feel like they can kind of flake on you and that, oh, yeah, you need them more than they need you on occasion. It's like, nah, you know what? I'll say sayonara. You know, I got I'll, I'll, I'll take another booking or I'll, I'd rather sit home than deal with that type of person. So when you, when you got like, uh, you know, uh, Google, TNT, Viacom, Nickelodeon, these these big companies, generally they have respect for the people that they, they want to book you for. But you still need to anticipate that there could be some funny games and you need to have a very clear, clearly written out a uh, contract that that specifies you know what you need you know the, the sound requirements your your rider that type of stuff
0: But is there ever a case that you've run into where you've gone to them and said, okay, here's my contract that I need you to sign for me to play at your event. And they go, no, here's our contract that we need you to sign to play at our event. And and you're both kind of standing there with your arm out with this contract, or is it that's common, Bruce, we, we we sign each other's or, or how do you, how do Maybe I'm making this up and that never happens. I I don't know. I'm interested to hear this.
1: I think it does happen with many people. It doesn't happen with me because uh, I don't, I don't, walk i don't walk into any venue without a a pre-signed agreement with deposit with any company with anybody i mean i don't care if it's the president like it's it's not um even a good friend i mean just you need just to protect both sides and to have really explicit expectations uh explicitly stated expectations so nobody's disappointed um you know that occasionally there are adjustments you know you might have overtime or you might have uh, you know, and, 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 but generally, you know, people are good. I've been fortunate enough to work with, with clients and companies that, that have respect, uh, for what I do and, and realize that, you know, if, if, if I'm not paid overtime or, you know, I'll, I'll first of all, I'll just walk out, you know, if there's like, no, if there's no, um, expectation that like, I'm going to get paid, but I've never really had that issue.
0: But my question, though, is you have a contract that you're trying to get them to sign, and they say, no, 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 you don't need to give it to us. We give it to you. You sign our contract.
1: And I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll sign the contract as long as I agree to it. Okay, okay.
0: How does an aspiring artist, Asher, who's just starting out, how do they know when to get to the point in their career where they should start getting those bookings in writing. Because when they're young and they're just looking to get work anywhere and they're going down to a restaurant that's two miles from their house, they're not going to tell the restaurant, hey, I need a contract to play here Saturday night for three hours for 150 bucks." But how do they know when they're at the point where they go, okay, I need to start getting things in writing now. And, and I need to, by the way, be prepared to walk away if the place doesn't want to sign.
1: Well, if it's a full-time career, you better be having contracts, you know, if that's your main income. If you're like a student and you're sort of, you know, you're doing sort of things on the side and you're sort of grateful to have the work and you're really not in demand, then maybe you just kind of want to sit in on some jobs. Um, You know, you're not going to be hitting the ground. You're not going to be coming out of school necessarily where nobody knows you, um, where, you know, nobody follows you or listens to you. Um, or you even necessarily have anything in demand that they, they require from you, and you're sort of like if you're going to them and you're saying, hey, please take me for your restaurant, or or you know give me a chance. I, I, you know you could you could ask them for payment, um, and I, I guess you could ask them also for an agreement. But um, I guess that's a risk you really, you should be willing to take um, if you're again not in demand or you don't have the music that that you can present or like a demo. Um, if you do, uh, and you have sort of like proof, uh, then I think it's fair to, to say, hey, look, here's my demo. It's solid. You, do you like it? Yeah, we like it. So okay, let, you know, before we show up, let's just uh, let's sign it. Let's have like a mutually agreed upon contract. And I think that that, that shows you, first of all, that shows them that you're you're a professional, mm. and they'll value you more. Um, so in a sense, that's that is important. So. Yeah, I I don't know if that's kind of helpful or if that's not unclear.
0: Yeah, for sure, especially the part where you say if this is just something that you're doing on the side and you're just happy to be there, then of course not. You're not going to be asking someone to sign something. But your point was well taken when you said if this is what you're trying to do as a career and this is what you're relying on for income, you better have it in writing that someone is going to pay you. And And of course, you know, at the start, it may not be, the nine page agreement that it becomes later on that a venue is signing or an event is signing. But at least if it's one page and you've got something that you can hold up and say, you signed this saying you're going to pay me $500. Well, there you go.
1: Yeah. What's one page for them to, you know, they don't need a lawyer to, to read it, read it, you know, just don't make it complicated wording, you know, simplify it, make it like a simple invoice, start time, end time, music, blah, 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 uh, your sound requirements and, and, you know, specify some things in the contract. And, you know, it's not something that will scare them away. And if they really value you and they're willing to pay you, then they should have no problem uh, signing a contract.
0: So this conversation is making me think of the evolution of your career insofar as at the very beginning of this episode, I introduced you as somebody that was a classically trained violinist. And then I went on to say that you are to the point where you're a DJ violinist. And I read about how you've incorporated breakdancing and I've mentioned multiple genres. So what was it, Asher, in your career that at some point you told yourself, I need to start expanding more and going across different genres and incorporating things like breakdancing into my act and making myself be a lot more versatile?
2: Well, uh, it's
1: the listeners and it's the, it's the viewers, the listeners, the fans, uh, the clients, I, I've, you can't be necessarily, you can't be stagnant, uh, in, in your mus- musicality and your, in your music, um, your, your productions, you need to, you know, sort of like a, it's almost like a, like a vendor. Well, it is a vendor, uh, client type of relationship, you know, uh, but you know, stores are constantly repivoting when they sell, sell products or shirts or, you know, uh walmart they're always i don't know changing their products that, to, to meet the demand of 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 customers so it's the same thing with music and, and you just sort of treat it like a business so uh and that's sort of what i've done i also just because i'm intrigued by different different ways that i could uh make violin interesting and relevant and and uh kind of modern listeners uh life people have many different tastes people are into latin music or pop hip-hop so i try to show people hey look this is what the violin fits in it's not just this uh, these different types of genres it's not just this archaic instrument that's outdated you don't just have to be enough like uh, like a lover of Bach and Beethoven to appreciate it Uh, and I'd like to kind of show how violin is pretty much relevant everywhere
0: so as a result I imagine it's very difficult for you if someone asks you oh what kind of music do you do it's so diverse I imagine that you can't just say oh it's pop
1: Exactly. And it, it's, I, I, my biggest challenge is when, when people call me up or a promoter or co- concert producer, they're like, play, you know, just, just do you like play, play music. I say, you know what? I need to know who's there, who's going to be there. I need to know like who who are the listeners who, who, like, what do people like to hear? Um, and then I sort of build things around that. Um, because everybody's, everybody has different tastes. And um, it's important to respond to those tastes.
0: Yeah, because if they say just be you and you say, okay, I'm going to be jumping around and I'm going to be playing a lot of upbeat, fun stuff. And people are going to see me just using a whole lot of the stage and the floor. And they go, oh, well, this is like an old, like classical music crowd. Then you go, well, why didn't you just tell me that in the first place instead of saying just do you?
1: You know, it's funny what you said. It actually reminds me of a concert I did last year um where it was actually an older audience really it was you know i don't know maybe like 200 people really sweet uh kind of just everybody was really sweet but i i asked i asked the whatever the promoter to to uh, like just clarify like the type of concert it's going to be and they're like just do whatever you want like just do you, you, everything you do is great i have done this concert a few times in the past but it's been many years mm. so i show up and- and and I actually was was chatting before the concert with some of the some of the people in the front. And they're like, "This is going to be a classical concert, is that right?" Like it's going to be class like expectations. I was the expectations were not made clear prior to that, and I sort of was like struggling to like dig up my music because I hadn't been playing a bit of you know the type of
0: I guess it show. is now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, and and I literally turned it into a classical concert, which was stressful, kind of in the moment. Mm. Shouldn't have been that way, but wow,
0: wow, all good stuff, nonetheless. This is this has been a lot of fun. We're going to close today with a single that Asher released at the end of July, a track called Atlantis. Asher, before I let you go and I play that song, share with us first all about this one, if you would, please.
1: Sure, Atlantis is uh, also a bit of the in the sense that Neon Dreams is a bit of kind of like uh, the story of my life, my own personal experiences. The highs and the lows um the unpredictability of life the you know it starts out sort of this ominous intro rises to a climactic high and it's cyclical in nature so it kind of goes back to that low and then to a high again and um it's a beautiful piece that showcases classical um merging classical with hip-hop and electronic music uh, much in the way that i like to, to do that in a lot of my music but i find it inspiring to me it's a reminder of Not not getting too caught up in the lows or in the highs and just sort of staying even keeled even keeled in your in your outlook and realizing that just sort of understanding that life is cyclical again and just like the just like the song and uh, I hope that people can sort of interpret that in their own way in their own lives Um, no lyrics all instrumental Uh, so yeah that's Atlantis.
0: Asher, you're a pro, very insightful guy. At the same time, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. I really enjoyed it.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
0: And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to musician Asher Laub. Do visit his official website at asherlaub.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on his website, look for the icons, the logos for Asher's social media. I have liked his music page on Facebook, and I followed him on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm sure he would appreciate you doing the same. We did not talk about his YouTube channel, unfortunately, which, wow, I mentioned in the intro, a combined total of more than 4.5 million video views. Go there and watch and like the videos that he has posted and subscribe to Asher's channel, too. Remember also to find him on Spotify and give him a follow on there as well. However, purchase downloads of his music from the likes of iTunes, which there's a link for on Asherlaub.com. Keep up with him online for information on where and when you can go see him perform live. And be sure to tell Asher that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the interview and that you liked the show itself. If you want to extend a gesture to let me know as much, Go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and look for the yellow logo there that says, Buy Me a Coffee, and do exactly that. It would mean a lot to me because it tells me that you like what I'm putting out each week. It does not matter where you're located. It's a way that we can have a hot beverage together virtually. You can even put a personal note on there for me to see. That's going to do it for episode 459. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Asher Laubb. This is the one he just talked about, it's called Atlantis.